And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. Producer Cam here with you. A twenty twenty-two season recap edition of the show. David and Eric hosting a live room today on Friday afternoon, taking your Bravos questions in real time on the Athletic app. And a disappointing way to end 2022, obviously, if you're a Bravos fan losing to the Phillies in the divisional series, the guys take a chance to look back at the NLDS and break down exactly what broke wrong for Atlanta. The guys also kind of take a step back and do a thousand foot view of the Braves 2022 season as a whole, including the youngsters, their performance. And in addition, some of the new faces, Matt Olson and company, how they performed this year and even take a glance into 2023, looking at some potential pivotal free agent signings and names you need to be aware of heading into the offseason. And on the topic of the youngsters, Michael Harris II, an absolute gold glove snub. David and Eric, they try to work through, talk through exactly the thought process here and why Michael Harris II did not receive an honor he most certainly was in line for. A lot more in today's show as well, but if you want to be notified when we do host live rooms in the future when we're going to record podcasts, make sure you're following David and Eric on Twitter at DLBrianATL at EOF34. Also make sure you are following the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get the show. Also make sure to leave a review as well on any of those podcast platforms. That helps us out so much. And make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. There should be a link in the show description that will take you directly to our show page. Without further ado, here's all of today's episode with David and Eric. Well, it's not the kind of news that we had hoped to have at this point, that's for sure. Um, you know, when you when the team goes so far, back-to-back years, you know, had led the Dodgers 2-0-3-1 in the NLCS two years ago, then you win the World Series without ever even facing an elimination game. When you abruptly exit in the division series that next year, man, does it seem especially abrupt. You know, you forget what that was like. It wasn't that long ago when it happened, but you forget what it was like when the expectations are, you know, so much higher and rightfully so. But I, I just thought, uh, I just thought this was kind of a perfect, perfect shitstorm of uh, elements that conspired to kind of undermine the Braves. Um, and we can go through those, but what 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 were your what were you think what were you thinking watching it? I, I just thought they couldn't match the energy. You know, it it yeah. seemed like Philly just came out, um, got off to that. You, you know, if they you never know if, if game one goes the Braves' way or if some yeah. of those you know soft hit balls don't yep. fall in for Philly in the first couple innings, it changes everything. But they're coming off the rush of winning the wild card series. Yep. So they're coming off that rush, and then you get some breaks early in that first game, and it's like, oh, here we go. And they just pick up right where they left off versus the Braves just been sitting for five days off of a boring series in Miami. I, I felt yep. like, you know, you 
you can't blame that five day layoff on anything. You have to find a way to, to combat it. You have to either do, you know, live games or live VPs or something to keep your guys sharp. But I just feel like it, it was definitely a perk for Philly coming off that rush of winning the wild card series and then jumping out to an early start. I didn't feel like the Braves ever matched their energy after that. And we've talked about this so many times. I mean, and there was a reason why some people were concerned, voiced concern yeah. beforehand about having five days off because it never happened before. Now, the Braves had four days off last year. There's a difference. They were pushed to the end. It wasn't, but they were not in as 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 one brave uh, said they weren't in playoff mode for four uh, yeah. months this yeah. year. I'll just list the things that I think that I think combined to make this uh, early exit. A, what you just said, I think is so accurate. I think there's a reason why, say, the Marlins have won the World Series twice as a wild card team, and they've never won a division title, which is amazing. But there, and there's been a few other wild card teams win it all too. Teams that push to the end and then have to play that extra series or or play all the way through the end stay sharp, and they don't have to tur- flip the switch again. Like teams that clinch, whether it's the Dodgers, and and we we could anybody could see this coming with the Dodgers. They got off to the huge early start. They played still played great ball despite a lot of injuries during the season, but they clinched so early. So then they had to time to relax. They talked about guys getting healthy. They get the rotation in order. I mean, Braves fans from the '90s saw that so many times when the Braves clinched early. Hundred win teams clinch early. And then you try to flip the switch and get it cranked back up to that level again, and you just can't do it in one game. And if you're facing a team that did not, that had to play for its life to the end, they never really had that downtime. This was just, this was magnified this year, I thought, because not only was it five days, which was longer than ever, it was really seven days because the Braves clinched. The first game in Miami was a totally just punt it. You know, you come off that incredible series against the Mets. So that next day, you play that night game Sunday night against the Mets. You f- you finish off a sweep, which to me had all the feelings of a postseason series, the energy, the level of competition, the pitching, yeah. and the Braves swept them. Then the next day in Miami, you're playing in front and, and sold out crowds every night at, at Truist Park for that series. Next night, you're playing in front of eight, 10,000 in Miami. Braves, you know, the Braves, they played everybody, but they got into town like four in the morning. You know, it was just that, you know, that was, so the next night you go out and clinch. Yeah. You celebrate a little bit, you clinch, you celebrate a lot because you didn't, you didn't celebrate getting a playoff berth at all. So you did clinch, you do celebrate clinching. Okay. Yeah. Next day, you only played the regulars that needed to play 162, you know, they wanted to play 162, but you rest most of the guys. So the next day, the rest, the really, the, the, the rest started with clinching and you had, you clinched on a Tuesday night. You had a whole week until you started your series against the Phillies. The Phillies got, they played for their lives down the stretch. They were a distant third behind the Braves and the Mets. So they had to fight and fight for that wild card spot. They came in sharp. They're two pitchers, whereas the Braves had to, one pitcher coming off the flu and the upper respiratory with Max Freed. You know, he just wasn't himself. And we saw that right away. It was obvious. And then Strider who pitched terrific for two innings, but just ran out of gas. And you had said that before that game. You kind of wondered how long he'd be able to go. I thought he'd be able to go longer, harder, but I kind of, I kind of under, uh, I think I underestimated being off that long. I mean, he really hadn't pitched in four weeks. I was feeling pretty dumb thinking that the way he pitched the first two innings. Yeah. 
but he just shot it all right there, man. Yeah. I mean, that was what he had left because his because his velo. And I know he still had him a couple of ninety seven mile an hour pitches that inning, but his velo on the home run I think was ninety three, which we haven't seen all year, you know. So, um, so that so there was those things. And then you had unfortunate, and this happens all the time. This is just one of those things that teams have to overcome. You have two or three guys that just aren't hitting. Yeah. Well, the Braves had some of their key guys really didn't hit at all in that series. You know, Acuna hit at, hit for a good average. Um, Olsen had what? Olsen had a couple of home runs, and um, and uh, Darno. And really, yeah, Darno, Darno and Olsen had like four of the team's five homers in the series and like seven of their ten RBIs. They yeah. really weren't getting much from anybody else. Acuna, like I said, he got on base hit for average, but really nobody else was doing anything. You know, couple that with two two starts that were, you know, not what you expect from those guys. Then Charlie gets, I mean, come on, can you have the snake bitten like Charlie? Back-to-back postseason losses, he exit was an injury after getting hit by a line drive. Yep. <laughs> So, so, I mean, I know it's just it sounds like excuse making if the Braves said it like this. So they didn't. And to their credit, they did not make excuses. But that's us. We're talking about it. And we can make excuses. Um, were the Braves a better team than the Phillies? Yes. But that doesn't matter because the Phillies were a better team right then in that series. They outplayed them completely. And that happens in the postseason. Unfortunately for the Braves, it happened in the first round. They never really, like you said, had a chance to kind of get going, have one big game and get their feet under them and get their energy back and start playing up to their potential. Before you know it, they're down 2-0. Yep. Yeah, I, I felt like, you know, that, and that's that whole thing of anybody can pretty much beat anybody in a short series in baseball if you yep. have three or four bats go cold or a starter Right, struggle. in a five-game series, yeah. Not in a in seven, a maybe, game. but five for sure. Yeah, I think seven's harder because your your studs are going to pitch twice and they're not going to suck twice. But mm-hmm. you know, I think that that's why the players fought so hard. You know, the expanded playoffs thing because yeah. it's almost like baseball's known what a crapshoot the postseason is for so long that you have to earn your right to be in that crapshoot. Now, watching the playoffs for me, it's been fun. The Padres oh, yeah. beating the Dodgers, like oh, yeah. the upsets, everything that's happened. The postseason's been amazing. But from a player side, I, I think they've known that, that those possibilities are already there, and it's it's just the hottest team's going to win. I mean, you had literally had three teams that we all kind of recognized as super teams in the NL. Three 100-win teams. <laughs> the Gone. Dodgers didn't make it past the first round, you know, the division series round. Neither did the Braves. The and the Mets got beaten a wild card. I yeah. mean, that's crazy. Now you got teams with didn't have 90 wins battling it out. Because it don't matter, man. It's just who's playing at their best when when you have to be playing at your best. And the Braves yeah. were last year, man. They rolled into the postseason so full of confidence. Remember how great they were playing down the stretch, that game in San Diego when Will Smith had the bases loaded, none out and got out of it. They yep. just caught fire right then, and they went into the postseason feeling so good about themselves. And they just blitzed everybody. I mean, nobody had a chance. <laughs> yeah, and you watch the games. You can see that. You can see that energy difference between the Padres yeah. and Dodgers. You can yeah. see that energy difference between, for me, for the for the Braves and Phillies. And, you know, it's not necessarily that the – you're not going to be looking like you're having a ton of fun or playing with a ton of energy when you're getting your ass kicked. Yeah. And if you, if you looked at that Phillies-Braves series, for me, they just – the Phillies just outplayed them. They just played better. You know, there's you could say bad luck or this happened or that happened. When you look at it as a whole, the Phillies just kicked their asses. And, you know, the other thing, 
And again, this is not uh, you can't use this as an excuse because you're going to run into this every year as long as New York, L.A., West yes. Coast teams are in. That it. pisses me off. Day games. Yep. Unfortunately, unless you're playing a New York team, you know, with and, and there's no West Coast teams, you're going to have day games. And the Braves, for whatever reason, were a below 500 team all season. And that's not a small sample size. They were four games under 500 in day games. At night games, they had they were like they were 20. Well, just do the math. I mean, they were <laughs> at night. They were unstoppable, man. I mean, compared by comparison, I looked well, it even, up. They hit put that aside. You know, like the the fact that they make these teams, certain teams, if you're not a big market team, you're going to play a certain percent of your games with the shadows. Oh, yeah. You know, no if, doubt that, that plays an has an effect, team, man. It's, and it, it's a yeah. game changer. And if you're a strikeout team, a team that strikes out a lot, you're going to have some really ugly strikeout games in yeah. those in those conditions. But, yeah, during the season, though, the Braves, their ERA was literally a half run lower at night. And they literally scored a half run more at night per game. So that's a full run difference. Yeah. <laughs> a and net no, run difference. Know, no rhyme or reason to it. I, I guarantee not a single player can put his finger on it. Yeah. You know, and next season, I, you know, and, and this is not to blame anybody, but next season, if I'm the manager, I've got to look at that and go, okay, it doesn't make any sense. But let's look at what we do. Maybe do things a little differently next year. Just try something different. And we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast, but whether that's do a little, make sure that everybody's doing a little more. I'm not saying go out and do full infield on a day game. You know, that's not, it's crazy, but make sure everybody knows to get there and get going, whether that's gets everybody hits in the cages a little bit more, the indoors, you know, whatever you have to do. But get there a little earlier and maybe try something different because that's kind of weird, man, that the day game numbers would be so bad. It's not five games. You know, we're talking about you're talking about nearly a third of your game or over a quarter of your games. Yeah. You know, what's you know, what's crazy about baseball, though, is stuff like that happens with no rhyme or reason. And they could change nothing and be the best team in baseball in day games next year. Yeah. For the same lack of reasoning. Yeah. So if I was if I was running it, I'd probably play it by ear. If we get off to a start. Right. Right. Say in April, your team gets off to a start where they're terrible in day games again. Then it's like, all right, we need to change things. But in baseball, it's just crazy because stuff like that happens. And nobody knows why. Like we couldn't win on Mondays. Yeah. And I will say the atmosphere at Truist Park is a lot better at night games. And that's yeah. not a that's not a and, and that's not a dig at fans at all, man. It's hard getting there at one o'clock and being yeah. fired up like you are for a night game. You're off work, you've been you popped a few or whatever, you know. Yeah. I mean when you gotta get out there and beat traffic to get out there at one o'clock, you know. That's that, and then the team. If unless the team starts out fast with a good first inning or so, it's kind of you're just it's just has, it has a totally different feel than the electricity that place has at night. Well, you know, same thing like San Diego. Their atmosphere at the night games against. Oh my god! It's been that 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 park <laughs> looks unbelievable right now. It doesn't even resemble what you remember, does it? No, at all? I remember, see, I remember it the way you're describing it. Like it felt like. When you were playing in a Padres game, especially a day game, you felt like 90% of the crowd was people that just were walking by and could see in there. <laughs> yeah. Checked how much tickets were. They were 10 bucks. The not whole club. You know, they just go check it out for 10, 10 20 minutes. But it, it never had that kind of energy. I'd, 
if they make it to the World Series, I might try to go down and, and, and see a game in that park and see how different it is. Oh, my God, dude. It was like it was so different when the Braves were there the last two years than it was before. It used to be, like you said, leisurely crowds, great weather. You're just enjoying the sunshine. Oh, and if the team wins, that's great. But, I mean, now it's now the place is energized. It's got a lot more of the feel of like Dodger Stadium at night now. I mean. Their 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 atmosphere for the playoffs has been just un. un uh, Philly's comparable at night. I mean, because Philly's waited Philly's so long to be to be back in this. But uh, man, the atmosphere the other night at that Dodger when they eliminated the Dodgers that night that was insane. Yeah, it was insane just watching on TV. <laughs> Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's it's obviously a rough way, you know. Everybody's expectations are so high. Everybody's talking about is this a better team than last year? Um, and there were reasons to believe that it was. If everybody's healthy and you got your pitching lined up and all that, you know, and guys are hitting on all cylinders like the offense was for a while in the second half. But if it's not, we all know how fast that can change, man. Yeah, hundred percent. But uh, was it a more talent, a better team? I'd say at its best, yes, yeah. this would have been a better team, better but. Year. They last year hotter, though you know i mean it's yeah it's kind of tough because if you watch the season there was there was matchups between the braves and mets who were pretty similarly matched i mean they won the same amount of games but there were series where one team at some point was so much better than the other when they went into new york and lost four out of five you're like shit this thing's over when new york came in at the end of the year they didn't yeah. stand a chance you just yeah. knew the braves were a better team at that moment absolutely I mean, that's, that's how the playoffs play out yeah, it was when they when they've lost four out of five in that series up in New York. You thought there's no way the Braves are going to beat the Mets this year. There's wrap. no way. It's just not their year. You know, and then they got hot and, and they swept them at home. And it was like, okay, now they've they've done it again. They've yeah. they've silenced us again. But then in that that one week period between that sweep of the Mets and I just thought they got so high against the Mets that it was like playoff atmosphere. Then you come crashing down in the Marlins series and you play a real ragged series. You know, you're resting guys and you got five days off and then you try to flip a switch and get back in that mode you were in against the Mets. And it just didn't happen, man. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's kind of like once that wave starts, you got to keep riding it. It's, it's kind of right. hard to get off, but you know, the way I look at it, it's like if you, right, exactly. If they could have played at that level right into it, I think they could have sustained that playoff mode that they were in. Day. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But they, but they could not go. Yeah. I don't blame them for being you know worn out. I think it wore the Mets out too, but they were playing playoff baseball since June. Yep. And the Mets and the Mets to their credit, 
the Mets were fending off the Braves, so they were in kind of the same thing. They were getting their asses chased for four months, you know? Every I mean, they were up matter. ten and a half, then all of a sudden the Braves were just nipping at their heels. So they kind of were in an intense mode for four months, too. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Phillies are just like people have written them off. You know, they fire their manager. They completely restart. You know, they make some big moves. And it was just a different, just a different feel to their team. Yeah. Uh, there's no better place to be than uh, being written off and, and just catching fire and rolling into it with nothing to lose versus the Braves are defending champs. Yeah. I think it, whether it's, whether a guy would ever admit it or not, it's hard to muster up the same energy when you've won it last year as it is to have it when you're just chasing it. You don't even know what's in front of you and you're just going into it hair on fire. And it, that, yeah. that felt like to me what the series looked like was that the Phillies were just. I mean, they just came in with so much energy. So they wanted it so bad. Uh, yeah. And the Braves hit the Braves hit 180 in that's in those four games with five homers, uh, eleven walks, forty three strikeouts in one hundred and twenty eight at bats. Forty three strikeouts. I heard. Um, I think it was Curtis Granderson or somebody. You know, on a on a post game talking about it's so much different facing your relief pitchers or, or having the, the mm-hmm. thrower scoot up close, but you just mm-hmm. can't simulate playoff stuff, 98 mile an hour, adrenaline filled playoff stuff that you're going to see in those playoffs. And it was all hitters, you know, cause I think, pitchers Oh, you're talking about the live VPs. Yeah. Just trying to stay sharp during that. Yeah. I heard that too. Yeah. They were saying you can't do it. It's just not the same at all. There's no way to simulate it. You know, I thought about, you could bring up like your hardest throwing minor leaguers, but the problem is, they're going to smoke somebody in the head or break a finger or break a wrist. You know, like the, the risk of, of that move of keeping your guys, seeing guys that are amped up and amped up stuff is right. These guys are going to be amped up and they're not in the majors because they have the stuff without the control yet, or they let their emotions get the best of them. And you can't really risk, you know, some minor leaguer coming up and letting a two seamer sail into Acuna's wrist. Then you look stupid. You yeah. don't have Acuna for the series. And they're not trying to get guys out in the same way that, you know, teams are in a postseason. It's just different. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking at the – I wanted to go back and look at the uh, regular season numbers real quick on the the night and day thing. I mean, not to overplay that, but, man, it was just – people saw it all year. It was just – it was there. Um, And this is a team that won 101 games. They go 101 and 61, and – at night, they are, I got it right here. They are the Braves at night, 77 and 34. They're 44 games over 500 at night. You know? Yeah. And then you're four games under 500 in a day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 77 and 34. They had a, they had a, uh, they had a three three zero ERA night games, and the 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 hitting was just. I mean, this was a, they had they led the majors. Uh, they were tied with the with the Blue Jays for at OPS for the majors OPS lead at seven to seventy eight night games. Mm-hmm. Had one hundred and seventy five. Home runs. Next highest was 166, the Yankees, in one different game. Only one less game. And uh, nobody else, uh, the Dodgers had 153. They were the only other team with more than 146. Braves had 175 game home runs in night games. I mean, it's just a different machine at night. They were 
You know, I thought the playoffs plundered teams. I, I, I did too. I thought with the energy, I thought it would, yeah. you know, that it wouldn't be. And, and then day games, uh, what, 725 OPS during the season and 68 homers in 51 games. So just a very different hit 228 during the season or 238 during the season in day games, 310 OBP. It was just all across the board. We saw it again and again all, all season during day games. And they but, won the night game against the Phillies. I, exactly. The only <laughs> game they won in the postseason was a day game, but it was delayed three hours, became a night game. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, exactly. And they shut them out. Well, that's a bad, uh, you know, if it's there's 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 always something like that with a team that doesn't add up. But that's a bad one to have if you're not in New York, because you are going to get. Yeah. Gonna get those middle of the day times, especially if you got West Coast teams like you do yep. like this year. You know, West, even just one West Coast team. Yep, because then they're going to get a night, a later window at least. Yeah, tomorrow they finally NLCS finally gets a night game. All right, once you get to the LCS, you get night games. But yep. in the first two rounds, man. Um, real quick before we take some calls, the uh, Gold Glove announcements yesterday, man. I, I got to say, I, rarely am I as surprised. There's always a couple of guys on there. You're like, he made it, or you're going, he didn't make it. Rarely have I been as surprised as I am by two this year. Machado was not a finalist at third base. I didn't understand. I mean, especially maybe it's it's harder to believe after watching that series against the Dodgers where he just ate everything up. Right. You know, so it's fresh in your mind, but I still and, and playoffs aren't as a guy. And playoffs don't count, but still, you had uh, uh, Kim. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, you had Arenado. You can't complain about that. You had McMahon with the Rockies. I mean, they're all really good, obviously, and Cabrian Hayes with the Pirates. So it's a really tough field. But um, that one shocked me. But even more, and everybody knows what I'm going to say, Michael Harris is not a gold glove finalist in center field. Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. I, I couldn't believe it so much. I even went online and started looking at what glove companies these guys are sponsored by because I'm like, maybe they're just <laughs> yeah. Maybe it, it makes no sense, man. Rawlings guys get the favor here, but it wasn't. You know, there was a few positions where it was almost you know two out of three were Wilson guys or something like that. But I'm like, I can't believe this guy after watching him is not. It doesn't make any sense. And you had. You had multiple managers comment on him unsolicited after playing against the Braves about how for real he is, about how good he is, how, what a game changer he is. So you know, used it, to be uh, kind of accepted that it, if you didn't put up big offensive numbers, you know, minus being a catcher or a pitcher, you probably. But he did put up big offensive numbers. I know. That's what I'm saying is it's like, <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't even think of a fake reason why he wouldn't be in there. And then, you know, it made sense when somebody yesterday on Twitter, somebody looked it up and said they saw a criteria where, and I went, oh, because it would have made sense, where you had to play a certain number of innings. I've got it in front of me, in fact. You have to play a certain number of innings. Of the team's um, first 138. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. They're trying because they're trying to avoid a situation like you had years ago where Palmero made had won a gold glove at first base when he was a DH. Of the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so this is their way of doing that. Plus, make sure that, you know, a guy plays, you know, enough during the season. So it says you have to play in the field for at least for infielders and outfielders have to have played in the field for at least 698 total innings through his through his team's 138th game. 
This equates to playing for the in the field for approximately 7.5 innings per game and approximately 67% of his team's games by his team's 138th game, blah, blah, blah. Well, for one thing, I don't know why you would do, uh, you would put more emphasis on starting the season with the team. How about guys that, that get hurt? You know, they get hurt that are that come into the season on the IL, um, right. like Acuna did, for instance. He's not Gold Glove candidate this year, but what about him? And a guy like Harris who gets called up, you know, late. There's a lot of guys that get called up late. So you're putting more emphasis on those games than you are for the down the stretch in September. Yeah. So, but. It's neither here nor there because he far surpassed the 698. He had I felt played so much 91. When I saw that. Yeah. He had played 91 games at that point and he played nine innings a game or eight innings if they had a few of those games. But nevertheless, it would have been, I didn't add it up. It would have been close to 800 innings. So it's not yeah. even close. Yeah. So it just makes no sense. If you look at the analytics, his analytics are great. Never mind the eye test, which says he's the best center fielder in the league. But it just – Grisham, really good. I like him with the Padres. Victor Robles, I thought years ago I thought Robles was going to win multiple gold gloves. I thought he was yep. going to become a gold glover every year. He hasn't been that guy until this year. He has looked a lot better out there. So I can I can see him too. Then you got Alec Thomas from the Diamondbacks. Really? Well, that like that I was another thing I was trying to blame it on. I'm like, it's just big market guys or something. I look at it, I'm like, okay, you got <laughs> it made no sense. You got Arizona, you know, it's. I I felt better when I saw that that tweet about him not qualifying. Then I was like, oh, okay, he'll get it next right. Year. And then right. today I saw somebody say he did qualify, or maybe you did the math. Somebody did the math and said yeah. he definitely qualified. And I was like, shit, I don't, I don't have any reason for this. I I I mean, no offense to Alec Thomas, but. Uh, Half the baseball fans in America wouldn't even know who he is. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, and he played 113 games. He ended up playing fewer games and at bats than Harris did. And he hit 231 with a 619 OPS. So if you're going old school and saying he's got to hit some, it just made no sense, man. Well, see. When I was looking up the glove deals, Alec Thomas was a Rawlings guy. So it was like it was starting to click. You know, you had two out of three guys for center field were Rawlings. I'm like, okay, let me dig deeper into this. And then the next one, it was like second base or something, was Wilson Wilson and then some made-up glove company. So that theory died pretty quick. But, I mean, the fact that I'm getting online trying to search for this type of crap to explain yeah. to myself yeah. tells you all you need to know. I, I just – it's crazy, man. He played like uh, – he had 907 innings, so he didn't even have as many innings. <laughs> That's not even uh, – neither There's here nor there. But. I, can't, I can't come up with anything. All I can think is that, that big, big-ass center field at, at Arizona – and at Colorado, you're playing in that huge outfield. All I can think of is he must have had a bunch of plays that that opposing managers saw that they maybe they he got their vote because I think managers are part of the panel, uh, or that that played well on in the analytics. But still, if you stack up the analytics, it says that, <laughs> that Harris should have been there. So anyway, just weird. I mean, it's not like you know he only played 50 games this year, so you can say yeah. It's, I, it's, I mean, like I Andrew didn't. Andrew didn't play center field right off the bat, so he would have started his streak earlier if he did. I thought Harris would be able to start his streak right away, you know? Yeah, I mean, so. it's, it's going to be one of those things where once he gets it, I don't think he's letting go of it. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, 
I'd like to get some, I wish I was around some players right now to get some reactions, you know, opposing players, you know, that <laughs> because yeah, guy you know, was, like the biggest thing too is, and that I arm. Think we're, the, we're the most in shock because we watched them play every day. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, maybe if we'd watch these other guys play every day, we, you know, mm-hmm. under, like Robles, I see more than anybody. So then, I and he's terrific. And he's unbelievable. So it, he's not a guy I'm questioning, but I didn't really see Alex Thomas play that much. You know, maybe I'm offline with this and he's right there with Michael, but yeah, yeah. it's just, it's, I, I, I was all over the internet trying to come up with conspiracy theories for why he didn't get this thing. You know, just because at least a nomination top three, because he's one of the best I've seen already. I, and everybody says that too. Everybody says that. I mean, it's not just, <laughs> anyway. Uh, the Braves did have four finalists. Max Fried, who's won it two, in a, two years in a row. He's going to try to start a, a Maddox streak here. Um, he is a finalist along with Tyler Anderson and Corbin Burns. Then Travis Darno is a catching guy. He's a finalist along with uh, I, uh, Anito. But uh, unfortunately, Real Muto is also a finalist. Um, but he's a finalist. Matt Olson, that was a surprise to me a little bit because I know he didn't have, I know he said it himself, you know, the kind of year he expected, especially early on. He had dropped up, dropped some pop-ups, missed a couple of scoops he should have made. But, you know, over the course of the year, I think people realize, yeah, hey, the cat's pretty solid. I know he takes a lot of criticism, but he's a finalist and Freddie is not. So, yep. Goldschmidt, Christian Walker, the other two, those two guys are both really solid over there. So I don't think Olsen will win it, but he has won two American League gold gloves. Um, and then you got Dansby, which is about about time, right? I mean, Dansby is uh, – he's playing the best defense of his life right now and – you got you got a good field, Isan Kim and uh, Miguel Rojas of the Marlins, but I wouldn't be surprised if Dansby, Dansby wins this thing. Yeah, he could. I think Dansby could win that thing. You know, for me, the thing that stands out the most about Dansby is just the the pressure plays, the quick decision plays. I feel like he's uh, he's always able to slow the game down. You like you got a guy going to third, hard ground ball, and he's got a split second to decide if he can get that guy or take the out at first. Yeah. And it's like it's just instincts for him. Yeah, he just picks exactly. it, the third and gets that big out that changes the game. Yep. I don't even know if that play right there really shows up in defensive metrics because the ground ball might be right to him. Yeah, I don't think but it does. The decision he makes, like that quarterback mindset right. that he seems instinct, to have, is, yeah, is it's top notch. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash 
or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And we could have a whole other discussion on on, uh, on whether they're going to sign him, but really there's no new developments on that other than what Alex told us the day after, you know. Alex basically said, and I'm not being cynical, I'm not trying to take a shot at Alex, but basically he said the almost exactly the same things that he said about Freddie a year ago, which was he wants to be here. He knows we want him to be here. We both said it publicly that we will hope to continue. He said the same thing about Dansby. So um, I I think there's a little better chance. But then again, I also thought there was still a good chance we were going to sign Freddie. But the lockout, I can't, I think, kind of quashed any re- remaining hope they had of doing that. And uh, and they didn't want to go six years with him because of his age. Well, Dansby's you know a couple years younger than Freddie was. Um, it's going to come down to I think the price, obviously, like yeah. it usually does. I don't think the years are going to be a problem because I know Dansby's going to keep himself in great shape. He's never had injuries other than you know getting hit by a ball, that kind of thing. He's uh, he's been more durable than ever in the last couple of years. So, and and what and how are you going to replace him if you don't sign him? That's the biggie to me. I mean, there's not a Josh Donaldson out there, an obvious choice to come in to take a one year deal at over at with a high AAV in order to reestablish himself on the free agent market. Kind of like Correa did with the twins last year when he got three year deal, but he had two opt outs and he's going to opt out. So he effectively did that last year. I don't see an obvious guy like that this year at all. No. And the, the, the guys that, that are out there are going to cost more than him that yep. are, you know, the guys that you're going to sign to similar deals at length wise. Yep. They're going to cost five to ten more a year. So for me, he would make the most sense. But the fact that nothing's been done and you know they've been talking all year, I think it's just going to come down to, you know, maybe Dansby just wants to know how much he's passing up. (laughs) If he gets to a team to tell him, you know, you're worth 28 a year for us and the Braves are at 20, that's a million a year. That's a big gap. If it's one or two or three off. Right. I, I could see him taking that discount. Yeah, you're living at home. You got, you know, the income tax lower than it is in a lot of places. You're living at home. You don't have to have a second yeah. home, all that. That's worth, you know, a couple million a year. Never mind yeah. the fact that he loves the side. I mean, he loves Atlanta. He's from here his whole life. But when you get up asking a guy to take five, six million a year less per year in a long term deal, asking a guy to take 25, 30 million less total is a bit much. You know. Yeah, there's also a principle of it too, of just wanting to feel valued by your team or wanting right. to get paid a fair amount. Um, right. I could see that coming into play too, where it's like, hey, yeah. your teams are telling me I'm worth 30 or 25, and you're telling me I'm worth 18 to 20. And all I mean, I've done for you, I want, you know, is, you want to. Yeah. I, I was a huge part <laughs> of winning a World Series. Yeah. 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 And the other guys on the market obviously are really good ones too, and they, uh, I think they're all going to get more than Dansby, uh, Xander Bogarts. Trey Turner because of speed and uh, and the bat uh, and the power rather. Uh, to tell you the truth, and, and then the other one is is Carlos Correa who's terrific. Um, to tell you the truth, Trey Turner, I've seen projections of him getting anywhere from five to seven million more a year than Dansby, even close to ten. 
I don't think Trey Turner's worth that. I love Trey Turner, and he's killed the Braves. So Braves fans all remember him being the greatest player yeah. in the world because he's terrific against the Braves when he was with the Nationals and also with the Dodgers. Um, but if you look at his postseason numbers, my God, dude, he's OPS, and it's not a small sample size. I mean, it's a pretty. Right. It's he's got like a six six low six hundred six fourteen or some OPS. Carlos Correa, who's got like. 300 and some ABs in a, in a postseason has like an 840 OPS, something like that, like 200 points higher, more than 200 points higher in a postseason. And that's, we're talking like 70 games for Correa. Correa's so one of those guys is kind of suffers from the Mike Trout effect where he's just so great every year. You, you kind of stop appreciating, yep. it, but he is a hell of a player. I, he, he's an awesome player and the defense is, is outstanding. Whereas Trey Turner's defense has caught, it cost them in the postseason. He was, he was not great this year defensively. No. And that, that for me, it, you know, that's, that's the, that's what Dansby brings the most to the table is holding down the shortstop. I know right this year, but the thing that you value most about him is is not just his defense, but his defense under pressure. Yeah. I put this on Twitter, man, and I don't know if it's realistic at all, especially since he's a Boris client. But but Correa, if I if I'm if I've decided in my head I'm not gonna pay Dansby, you know, twenty two million a year over six years, or maybe he's asking for twenty five million. But if I've decided I'm not gonna pay him the twenty five or whatever and you got to replace him. You, there's no obvious shortstops in the system that can step right in in the next couple of years. You're going to have to do it. You know, get a really good shortstop, probably, or, or or just hope that you know some combination of Arcia and somebody you bring in a platoon with him, maybe or Grissom there. You know, I don't know if you want to do that at such an important position. If if I'm the Braves, I seriously see what. But it's a Boris client, so it's hard. But Correa is. I mean, that guy. He's everything you'd want from that position, you know, like Dansby, but hits better. He's a better hitter over his career. He's a, the OBP is something I noticed today, 366 each of the last two years. And then I saw him talking last night, doing the analyst thing, just steps into it like he's been doing it 20 years. This dude is sharp, man. Well, he's really informed on the analytical side. You know, oh, my God. To him talk, it's it's pretty impressive. really informed. And I and so I looked up some some stories and stuff about him, and I, I wanted to hear more about his reputation, read more about it. I didn't realize what a reputation he has as a leader, like a real good leader, clubhouse leader, positive, upbeat, all that stuff. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's realistic whatsoever, but uh, I don't think it's realistic at all. <laughs> no, not with Boris clients. But you know, he's he's going to get paid. But if you're going to pay, I mean, if you're not going to pay Dansby, what he what what somebody else is going to pay him? Then you know, if you're going to pay another five million a year for the position, and but again, it's way over what they've they're paying any of those other guys in extensions. But I mean, Carlos Correa is a much more accomplished player than any of those other guys too. <laughs> any <Yeah>. of them. <laughs> well, it's just like with him, you're either going to overpay to get him, or he's going to take another one year deal that's an overpay. But I, I just can't see Boris being like, you know, right. what, let's do four years a hundred. And he's opting out of two years at like thirty some million a year. He's yeah. opting out. So he's going to want at least that or more per right. year. Right. Right. So, yeah. Anyway. I, I, that's a whole I'll, other player. That difference between twenty to thirty. <laughs> that's your. Oh yeah. Player. Well, you know the people that are talking about, you, you, you know, like uh, <laughs> that are talking about going to get a certain pitcher from the Mets, Degrom. You're talking forty million, 
for a yeah. guy who's had this how many starts the last two years? Well, I just said that would to me would be the most shocking thing the Braves would have done because it just does not fit their MO at all. But if you're going to spend that kind of money, I'd rather go out and get an elite middle of the order hitter or an elite shortstop and still get another starter or, or two bull. You need to, I think you need to really enforce the bullpen and you could get a couple of good relievers and a shortstop for what you'd pay to Grom. Yeah. I mean, if you've been watching that Houston bullpen in this yeah. season, yeah. Or San Diego's bullpen, these teams that are coming yep. in and they just have stud after stud coming in. And that's how the Braves were when they won the World Series. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Keeping the games close or just shutting the other team down, going, yeah. going to your pen in the fifth and feeling just fine about it. Uh, that's an area I think the Braves, especially with Kenley leaving, yeah. they need to focus on and, and make sure they have. Yeah. I think you need to add two big arms in the bullpen. Two big arms. You got yeah. Matzik is going to ease out for the whole year. Luke will be back. I'm assuming they're going to resign him. But yeah, you could use another big arm to go with Iglesias and Mentor in that back back of that pen, for sure. Yeah, and you're going to have to see what Luke brings. You know, I mean, he right. could be one of those guys that bounces back from right. Tommy John and everything's fine, or he could have that rough first year back from Tommy John where he's battling the whole time. Yeah. So I, I just I, I the the Grom thing just makes no sense to me, and and and. And I know why people say it. I don't blame them because when DeGrom comes out and says, you know, let somebody know he'd like to pitch for the Braves, well, he gets you excited. And you think, well, the Braves are going to pursue him. And I, but it just goes against everything the Braves have done as far as not overpaying for free agents, especially starting pitchers. They don't think that's an efficient way to build. And then he's a guy that's proven it's not efficient because, I mean, is he just going to flip the switch and all of a sudden be a 30-start guy next year and pitch 170 innings? Exactly. I don't know. The only thing I thought about that was he just wasn't if he you know, if they wouldn't extend him maybe selfishly a little bit, he wasn't gonna risk not pitching it a hundred percent. Well that's a red flag, a isn't it? In a sense, yeah. Especially when you're fighting for a division. But Right, right. Um but for me if if DeGrom's willing to go short term, super high pay, it's it's worth looking into. But with his injury history last last year and, and the year before barely you know i mean pitching basically half or man that would blow up in your face if you did a short-term super high pay you can't even insure one-year deals but if if you went 40 million a year for Three two years. years and then he goes what he's done the last two years you're like why did we do that <laughs> yeah and i think that's that's what scares you more about pitchers than a than a position player yeah yeah and you got such a good foundation returning too with strider joining freed and right and i know people it's because because of recent bias people are going to go yeah but you can't count yeah you can right showed he turned a corner this year he's a stud strider showed he is so and strider is special man he just hadn't pitched in four weeks and free got sick at a bad time you can't i mean that happens man they just it just was a combination of things but that's pretty solid those three and then charlie for for more than half the season charlie was regular charlie for 17 starts 17 straight a period of you know when they really were chasing down the mats charlie was damn good yeah so anyway oh it's gonna be the Braves look good for next year you know whatever happens this winter they look good for next year so and 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 alex is no dummy he's gonna fill it in with the right pieces but i think and that's why i still think there's a good chance that they sign dance because it just makes too much sense i mean it just makes too much sense yeah, it does. I, I, I watch this postseason though, and I wonder how it's going to affect team spending. I wonder if they're going to be like, we got to do everything we can to just get our foot in the door, or if they're going to think we yeah. don't have to do that much because if other teams, you know, yeah, because yeah. they're like, you know, if we just like get Cleveland our foot in the door, we got a shot to go deep, you know, like Cleveland, seeing, like Cleveland. Yeah. 
Cleveland's become the new Tampa Bay, man. And they had the Yankees on the ropes. They sure did. They sure did. They should have beat them. Seattle, you know, if Seattle would have almost almost all four of the teams that were the underdogs had a chance to win. If Seattle would have won that. Oh, my God, game, that would have been crazy. And they could have. Seattle could have won any of those three games. Yep. They were in all three games. They had the lead in two. Yeah. So I, I don't think that it's really an exaggeration to say that that wild card series, you know, just being able to ride that wave into the next series. Oh, yeah. A lot of teams and, and hurt the favorites. I think you got to you got to look at tweaking it somehow next year. I don't know what you can do. You could make it best of seven because next year the series the season is not going to have to be condensed. Yeah, you could easily make it best of seven. Yeah, I mean you, you know have to, you have to look at it. I don't know. I, I think you could let it play out next year too. And if the same thing happens, right? Then it's like then you have to five day layoff is hurting teams. But yeah, if there's a way to make it only four days, even that'd be nice. Yeah. Anyway, real quick, what do you think uh, before we take some calls? We are going to take some calls. Sorry, guys. Uh, real quick, I, for my picks, obvious ALCS. I mean, you got <laughs> at yeah, this point, Astros. I would have picked Astros anyway, uh, for sure. I would have picked Astros. In fact, I did on our thing. I said no more than six, I think five, because the Astros are better at every facet of the game except Aaron Judge. <laughs> yep. Um, and then I'm taking uh, I'm taking the Phillies. Are you? I'm going Padres. I, I, I'm taking the Phillies, man. I, I just think they're on a roll. Something special is happening, but nothing. neither one of those is going to surprise me. And I don't think it matters because I think the Astros are winning the World Series in five games. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I don't, they are awful good. I think that Phillies series, you know, the, the, the one thing that happens in the postseason, if you can split that first two-game set on the road, yeah. now you've got a five-game series with home field advantage. And their fan base is going to be crazy, it, man. Yeah, it's going to be cool crazy. weather. Cool weather. Yeah, I mean, that's not going to surprise me either way that series goes. But I'll, I'll stick with the Phillies on that one. How about if the third-place team out of the NL East, the team nobody was even paying much attention to all year, ends up going to the World Series? It'd be just about right. <laughs> I'll take the Strohs, though, in five, maybe six, but no more than that. But I think it'll be five. That They're going to be home field advantage. Their bullpen is so good. Yep. Yep, they're just they're they're loaded, man. They just yeah. keep reloading. And Dusty, everybody is going to be pulling for Dusty, even if you hate the Astros and the cheating and all that stuff. Dusty had nothing to do with that. And if you don't like Dusty, man, I mean, you don't like people. I like I I like Dusty, but I'm pulling for the Padres. Yeah, I just yeah, it's, cool it's a great story. story. Padres yeah. is a great story. Yeah, and it, yeah. it's a likable group. Yep, it is. It is. Machado is really matured, man. As you know, what's crazy about him is it's like if he hadn't been the guy he's been and had all these things come up and you know I've yeah. been on teams that he did some dirty plays against. He did yeah. Some, he stepped tried to step on a guy's leg when he's playing with the Dodgers or against yep. the Dodgers, and he did a lot of this stuff. But just watching him as a player, I'm like, man, that's that dude is a stud. Yep. Yeah, he was like the consensus dirtiest player in MLB a few years ago when we did a poll. Now nobody even votes for him. Yeah. He's not, he hasn't done anything stupid in a long time. Yeah. And the Padres, how about if they do it without Tatis, man, without him playing at all this year? Yeah. Well, so, you could tell. I could tell that they weren't going to be faced mentally by a suspension because most of those guys were yeah. making little comments, you know, kind of under their. Breath, yep. But they were saying things like, "Well, he hasn't been around." Yeah. You know, so it tells me he exactly really tried to be a part of it in the first place. But yeah, that was that was the feel I got for it. All right, we better take a few calls here. Right. Sorry to make everybody wait. And uh, go ahead, Bruce, Bruce W. You there, Bruce? I'm guessing most of them bounced. <laughs> Everybody's like, "Fuck this, man." <laughs> 
These guys are just talking. Nick T, you there? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, oh, awesome. Um, so I was sort of wondering, since we got a lot of those long-term classic Alex Anthopoulos extensions this year, like who would who would you say on the team besides Max Freed is maybe the obvious candidate for that? You know, we don't talk about maybe William Contreras or Kyle Wright or would we even do a bullpen arm like AJ Minter or Travis Darno? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, Darno's a little old for a long-term extension. So, but, uh, um, uh, I think Contreras, you have, you, you, you play one more year with uh, Darno sign for next year. So you got another year for him to keep developing as a catcher and he made huge strides this year. And if he keeps progressing like that, then, then you do look at, at something like that with him. But to me, Kyle Wright's the guy you do because, I mean, he's really came into his own this year, stayed healthy, he's durable. You know, he had the, the arm fatigue at one point, but nothing, no, made no injuries, um, to speak of in his career, like big injuries, shoulder or elbow, big, durable, strong guy. And smart. yeah, really smart, really works hard. Another guy you're not going to have to worry about. And, you know, he's a big dude. I don't think people realize how, you know, he's a, he's not a skinny guy. He's not going to be frail or anything. So I think that portends to a long, healthy career. He's really turned a corner, you know, and I think he'd get him for a, a, a really reasonable price. I don't think he's going to be looking to break the bank either. So he's, he's a really uh, obvious one now that, you know, Strider is, is signed. Um, other than that, I mean, you got you don't have to do everybody on the team. They've already got more guys signed to long-term deals than almost any team yeah. does, I think, than any team does. So you kind of let it play out and see which guys really are deserving of that. Maybe Grissom, like, totally excels in left field if he if they have him out there. we got to wait and see. But, I mean, if that's a guy, you know, if, if his first month in the big leagues this year was any indication, he's a guy with superstar potential. But we'll have to wait and see. I haven't done any research, but I'd say start with agents that aren't household names. <laughs> I had I had an agent who is a, a household name <laughs> tell yeah. me the same thing. Yep. If, if it's not, a, if you see a guy that comes up and he's getting super hot and he's under two years of service and you don't know who his agent is, yeah. that could be who you bet on to sign the next one of those contracts. I had another agent who's very prominent tell me, <laughs> he said. He said, God bless Alex, man. He's going in and finding all these agents who are in trouble or yep. whose agency is trying to get off the ground. They're trying to make a name for themselves. They want the big, they want a piece of that contract right away. Well, they want that guaranteed money. You yes. Know, sending these guys cleats in the yes. leagues and taking them out to Applebee's for five years. Yes. Time to get paid. Unlike the big agents who, you know, <laughs> they want the best deal and the biggest deal. They don't need, to, they don't need the money right now. They're not trying to exactly. keep the door. They're not trying to keep the lights on at the agency and all that. Yeah. If, if you see a, a client come up or if you see a prospect come up and his agent's Forrest, he can hit 700 home runs in the first season and they can offer him anything they want. He's not signing. <laughs> so true, man. So yeah. true. That's, that's, a, that's an astute GM right there who sees the moment. Yep. <laughs> With a lot of guys. He sees a ripe agent. He's going to just start pecking. Yep. So well, that's cool. That Thank you, guys. Question. I hadn't thought yep. about that. Agent yep. Before. It's a big, it's a huge factor. Yeah. Huge. A lot of these uh, guys okay. are represented by um, 
guys who are it might be really good agents, but they're just getting started or they don't have a big client base. You know, maybe it's somebody they knew coming up or all that. So a lot of them are not household names. These agents that they're working with. In fact, really, none of them are, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the, the really big, uh, huge deals that they've done. Yeah. And it's also, you know, like these agents want to be set for life, too. If you sign a guy to an 80 million dollar contract, you know, I mean, you know, you're not going to have to. Sure grind after you get five percent of that yeah you're not you know you're not you're not like boris you're not trying to compete to be the biggest super agent in the world you know stacking billions on top of billions trying to buy a house (laughs) yeah exactly Uh, reggie w w Hey, what's going on, guys? You can hear me? What's happening? What's happening? Hey, what's going on, DLB? Uh, sorry for your loss, man. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Oh yeah, no problem. So I got I got three for you. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. what's your what's your thoughts on uh Justin Henry Malloy? Um, you know how we kind of talked throughout the season. You kind of had guys in the minors where you were kind of impressed with. So I I would say, what's one hitter and one pitcher that you could you know, going into next year, you think maybe can contribute to the team and uh, what type of uh, splash free agent you think that the Braves could potentially go after? And then, E, I got one for you, man. Okay. okay. Uh, so I don't know if you're familiar with J.R. Richie, but I know he's up there, you know, in your neck of the woods. So I didn't know if maybe you heard something about him before the Braves got him. Or, you know, if you had any thoughts on them, and I'll uh, put it on mute. Uh, uh, Stud, man. That's a dude from the island off Seattle. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, you're going to have to go to Dave on prospects, man. I look into them when they get called up. Well, that Richie dude's a stud. I mean, a lot of people thought he would have gone in the first round. He might have been their best pick that they got and uh, was going to UCLA. Uh, really great arm, great body uh, that's going to fill out and uh, – um, really aggressive. They really like his, his, uh, secondary pitches. Um, they got a great fastball. I think he's going to be a stud, man. No, no doubt that I don't think it's going to take that long on them. Um, For me, it's so much of it's mental, you know, uh, of prospects turning out and everything. And I think the Braves do their homework, but I have a hard time getting too excited about prospects because it's all going to come down to what's going on up top. You get drafted and there's, you know, I got drafted with five lefties better than me and none of them made it to majors. I really like Justin Henry Malloy. That's a guy that really made impressed a lot of people this year. Uh, the guy that got from uh, out of Georgia Tech in the sixth round last year in 2021 draft. And he, what really jumps off about him is the OBP, which you just don't see much these days. OBPs like he's got in the minors. Uh, he's got a career. Let's see, we're looking at. In two seasons in a minor, he's got a 404 OBP, 854 OPS. He this year at he started out at uh, what high A Rome? Yeah, he started out at Rome and finished at Gwinnett, and then and and he spent what half the season at Rome and hit 304 there, 409 OBP, similar stuff to to uh, Michael Harris, 889 OPS, goes to double A, hits 268 with a 403 OBP there, impressive, because um, he's got these strikeouts to walks that you don't see anymore, and it's like you used to see all the time when guys tried to walk as much, or like Chipper never struck, what, never struck out 100 times, had more walks and strikeouts in his career, you don't see guys like that anymore that hit for any power or anybody, uh, but this now, guy last year throwing hard and guys getting promoted that are throwing hard, like the stuff they're up against, it's easier to check yeah. out than ever. So this guy at three levels last year in 133 games, Henry Malloy, 
He hit 289, 408 OBP, had 97 walks and 138 strikeouts with 17 homers. I mean, he's a stud. Third base, left field. Um, I don't know. I don't know because he's played both of them a lot last year. He played like mostly third base and DH, though. But, uh, well, no, it, actually, I'm looking at the breakdown. He he had equal number of games in left field and third base, so 51 and 51. And DH, about 17 games, also played some. Uh, at what level? Uh, well, he started high and ended up in AAA last year. Oh, so yeah. Well, the way they're doing it now, too. That's, uh, yeah. That I mean, he could be in play. And this is yep. a guy that was a, a college guy, so he's not really young. He's 22 right. yeah. uh, and be 23 in uh in February. So he'll be 23 at spring training. So this guy could come quick for sure. I mean, I mean, we could see him next year if he keeps that up because the OBP really jumps out. Like I said, that's something that this team could really like would like to add Add a young guy who gets on base like that. I mean, that's potentially really big, impactful type thing. 28 doubles, 17 homers, or 17 homers last year, 81 RBIs. Just great numbers. I mean, really good numbers. So uh, Mixing guys in on, on power teams, too, is so – I mean, you need somebody on base when you hit yep. that homer. Yeah. I think that a lot of teams that you're watching kind of struggle with that all-or-nothing offense in the playoffs is you, you need guys like a Martin Prado or a guy like you're talking about that can – just get on base and, and have those really tough at bats. I thought that was what did Strider in was that at bat Scott had. Oh like my God. 10 yeah. At bat, just fouling off the pitches. You know, that was impressive. On. I mean, that was one of the big differences in that series. So, yeah. So yeah, I really like, I really, he's really made it, uh, uh an impact this year in his first year. And you've seen the Braves time and time and They're time again. Afraid. When you think, oh, he needs a little longer. So I'm not even going to predict this time that he needs a lot. I mean, he might come in spring training and compete for a job, you know, depending on what they do in left field. I mean, you, you know. know I've, I've learned my lesson because there's been a couple guys you've talked about the last few years and you're telling me about them and they're an A ball. And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next, like a month later, they're in the big leagues or two months later, the next season early on, they're in the big leagues. Michael Harris. Right. Long Grissom. You were telling me about these guys. And I was like, yeah, OK, cool. Let's see how they do. And <laughs> so, so this guy's already played more players. games in double A than uh, yeah. than uh, that Harris did. Fifty four and eight games in triple A, which Harris played none. So I'm not saying he's Michael Harris, but I'm saying he's got really nice numbers and, and the kind of numbers that you just don't see anymore in, in the and with the uh, uppercuts and all the strikeouts today so that he could come as far as prospect pitching prospect. I think they've, we've seen most of their top prospects, pitching prospects that are going to impact next year. And the guy that really, I think could, could really, could really compete next year is elder. I mean, he showed me yeah. enough in those starts, especially that one at Washington. I know the Nats are bad, but that was just impressive what he did that night. And those well, starts against the Marlins. The ability to eat innings. You know, I think yeah. there's been so many prospects called up for the Braves the last three, four years that they either deal for six or seven innings or they get torched by the second. Elder kind of has that feel to him as a guy that could go out there when he doesn't have it. Uh-huh. Find a way to battle and give you five. And, and that in itself has a lot of value. I think we could see one or two of them traded uh like Mueller I don't know much how much more Mueller can do in AAA if they don't think he's going to compete you know at, at this level next year there are teams that would want a 6 foot 7 lefty who throws 98 you know he doesn't hit 100 like he used to but that's my thing more because he's learned to pitch um so uh Jared Schuster there's a guy 
Lefty Jared Schuster, we could see him. Um, that's that's one that we have not seen that we sh- certainly could we next year. Certainly could next year. Oh, what about uh, Tarnock? Yeah, I liked when he came up. I know we didn't get to see, but I, he only pitched a couple of innings. But I mean, they liked him enough to bring him up, and he really made huge progress in the last year. And he filled out, um, developed that secondary pitch, and yeah, yeah, I like him. Yeah, he's got really fucking great deception because his delivery is all all over the elbows and everything, and that yep. one of those kind of uh, God, why am I not thinking of the lefty that really liked the guy, the lefty, the brace head that went to the Dodgers and the Giants from here, from or from UG Alex Wood. Yeah, kind of the Alex yeah. Wood funky type thing. There's something to be said for that when a guy's yeah so different than anything else anybody sees, and Tarnock is really funky delivery and. a Really great personality, too, for what that's worth. I liked him when he was here briefly. So, yeah, there's a couple of good arms down there that we could definitely see next year if they, uh, and, you know, they could go out and if they, if they want to spend the money other than on the rotation, they could go out and get a, uh, you know, an innings eating veteran for a pretty low price and, and have him compete with those, and those young guys step in for that, uh, for that fifth starter job. Yeah, I think you got it right there in Bryce Elder, but. Yeah, I really like him. Thanks, Reggie. He's good. Sammy O. Oh, my gosh. I'm really up with you guys. I'm so excited to be here. Did it. What's up, um, Sammy O? Yeah, I'll, 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 take, I'll take your answer off the air so there's no echo, okay? But I was just wondering if you guys could uh, please uh, give me some insight on why Jim Powell is, is not, doing, uh, not doing games full-time anymore. I really miss him. Huge fan of his. And I just I can't get the answer, so I'll take I'll take your answer uh, off off the air, okay, guys. I really appreciate what you guys do. Thank you so much. And let's take what we want to do one or more after this one. Yeah. All right. Um, well, the reason you're not getting the answer is because it's a sensitive topic. I mean, I I don't know how else to put it. And uh, and that's not to say Jim did anything because he certainly didn't. I'm not. So I don't read anything into that. Um, but that was just their choice to cut back on his games. And to put Ben on more, um, you know, and Ben has become kind of the primary voice. Uh, I've asked the same thing and not really gotten a great straight answer and nobody's going to go on the record about it. So I don't know what to tell you other than um, those decisions are made sometimes. How to put this? They're around those people a lot, a lot more than I'm around those people. Like I see those guys, I see the TV guys, radio guys. I we're, good, we're friendly, all of them. I see them in the press box. I see them on the field, like Chips on the field all the time. Frenchie's on the field all the time. Joe's down there, so I see those guys. Ben's down there. Talk to him in the clubhouse sometimes, but I don't see them nearly as much, obviously, as the people they work with. And like any other work environment decisions are made based on things that only the people that you're working with know or, you know, what they're looking for. So, and that's as much as I want to say, because I do not want to take any shot, Jim, because I'm, I'm with you. I think Jim's got a great voice. I love listening to him. And when I'm mowing the lawn, sometimes I'm not covering a game. I listen to the, the radio and um, I, I always liked him. I thought he had great radio voice, but uh, Ben's really good too. So I, I don't know why the decision was made to cut back and it was probably a contractual thing where he's under contract. So they kept him, you know, for, for whatever, you know, however many more years he was under that contract. But other than that, I don't know. And again, that's not to take a shot at anybody because 
I've never experienced anything uh, that would that any negative anything with Jim or, or, or you know, and, and I like all those guys. I think they're all good. I think the Braves are blessed to have really good broadcasters, both foot, both uh, uh, TV and radio. And I wouldn't say that just to say it because I have nothing to gain by saying it. But I, they really have a long history of having really good radio and TV broadcasters. Yeah, I mean, the same thing happens with coaches. Yeah. yeah, there's there there's a reason for it, and a lot of times you don't get an explanation, but there'll be a yep. coach gone, and you're like, "Yep, shit, I love that guy." You know, it's <laughs> like when just, Snit got bumped to AAA. Yeah, we're like, "What was that for?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> but you know, stuff just happens, and sometimes it's it just stays in house. Yeah, yeah, like when uh, Marty Reed got fired. You know, I, I like exactly. Marty. They won't come out and say this, this, and this. They'll just say we wanted to go in a different direction. That's about all you're going to get. Which, but, to to an extent, there's that's kind of a good thing to do because right. it is a, a personality something. You know, you're you're not hurting the guy getting another job or moving exactly. On. Uh, just keep it in house and this isn't working. But good luck. Yeah, like when they fired Kelsey or didn't renew her contract or however you want to put it. Yep. They didn't come out and say she didn't do this, she didn't do that. You know, whatever, whatever the reasons were for saying it. You know, they say it above board, and you don't want to hurt somebody's chances of getting another job by saying, you know, just because you had a personality conflict or you had some one person or whatever that didn't like how they did their job. So I know that's probably not a satisfactory answer, but that's about as much as you're going to get from anybody, I think. Jacob M. What's up, Jacob? Hey, you guys hear me? Yeah. Yep. Nice. Uh, enjoy the podcast as always. My question here. Um, and just real quick, hindsight is twenty twenty, but – I was just kind of thinking through the struggles in left field with, you know, kind of Eddie's season, what he went through, and then eventually Duvall's injury as well. Um, do you think that having Peterson usually the year he had would we, – We lost you. We lost you for a second. Were you asking about whether they – if they'd have brought him back? Yeah, if you think there could have been maybe any different result. I mean, the regular season result, it's hard to argue with that, but maybe in the playoffs, given his energy and kind of what he brought. Well, sure. I mean, but, you know, they didn't bring him back because, you know, Jock wanted to play every day. They saw him as a platoon guy. When they got here last year, they played him every day. And remember what happened eventually when Eddie came back, Jock became a platoon guy, didn't play a whole lot. And then all anybody remembers is how great he was in a postseason because those two home runs he hit against Milwaukee and then, you know, he had some, as Jock does, he had some big hits. But uh, as an everyday guy, you know, and, and I don't think he played every day this year either, right, with the Giants. But I don't know that if he'd have been the answer. In hindsight, you had no idea that Eddie was going to come down with a serious eye injury at, at spring training that required surgery, you know. I mean, who knows what kind of season Eddie might have had if he didn't have to have his eyes cut open, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty serious thing. And so can't really fault him for that. They signed Eddie to a two-year deal, and I thought it was a pretty good deal when they signed him. So, um, And remember, Eddie was great, too, in the postseason. I mean, good Lord, they don't – the LCS, he yep. just – so – I don't know. I don't know if it could have been different or whatever, but I just I just go back to you can't really plan on things like that. And there really wouldn't have been enough ABs for both of those guys if they'd have brought both of them back. Uh in addition to Ozuna, who they obviously kept and for better or worse. <laughs> you know, I think that was something that was kind of maybe not missing because you can't predict who it's going to be. 
but I think a big factor in that series was it. Anytime you see a team go on some crazy World Series run, it's like a Kike Hernandez or somebody that's maybe not yep. necessarily their best player in the season. But Steps has up. A knack for somehow coming up at the right time hot and getting that big hit. And it seemed like the Braves didn't have that random yeah. dude step up this year. Yeah, like going way back, a guy like Mark Lemke has a great series. Eddie Perez is the NLCS MVP. Yeah. And then last year, case example of that. I mean, Jock hits two pinch hit home runs in the NLDS. Yep. Uh, Eddie is the NLCS MVP and was it dominated the Dodgers as one batter has not dominated them in a series probably in years. Yeah. And then Soler in the World Series is the MVP. I mean, Soler yeah. was terrific after after having COVID and missing almost the entire LCS. So yeah. you can't even script that. Uh, those those guys all surpassed expectations. You know, all played better after the Braves got him in trade. So it was a magical year for the Braves. That's why everybody should appreciate it even more how tough it is to win a World Series. But because uh, I thought really top to bottom, I thought when healthy this year's team was probably better than last year's. I really a lot did. Better. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so too yeah so next year you know you're gonna have a healthy acuna from day one that should be a huge difference and um you know olsen won't be adjusting and dealing with all the pressures and all that and um you know you're gonna you're gonna have grissom competing for a job you got you know you got center field now as last year winning center field is a big question mark can deval play it every day what happens in the corners you're gonna have to play ozuna sometimes this year you got all that settled. You got center field and right field are taken care of, you know. So it looks good for next year, man. But uh, I don't know. I'm not going to fault them for for the offseason moves this year. I thought I thought Alex did what he what he could reasonably expected to do, and then yeah, made some good moves at the deadline, and made some good moves at the deadline as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's just that's what the the postseason just turns into. You know, the hottest team, and yeah, in the Astros case, you know, if you're just flat out. The, probably the best team and and also playing the best but they still had to get a big home run for from albert from right Jordan, you know i mean to get there it's it is what it is you know it's, yeah Jordan hit two huge home runs in that first huge, round huge home runs uh, lds you got to put the best team out there that you can but postseason man anything can happen yeah and they didn't have one guy to just put them on their backs this time they didn't get deep enough to really have one guy do it but you know they didn't. They just uh, everything sputtered at the wrong time against a team that did have some guys stepping up. A lot so. of guys. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for all the questions. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to y'all again next week, sometime probably. Yep. Thanks for coming on. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Seven Fifty Five is Real from David, Eric, and myself. Great turnout in the live room again. If you want to be notified, we do host those live rooms. Make sure you're following David and Eric on Twitter. You're also following the podcast feed on your podcast player of choice and that you're also subscribed to the show on YouTube. As mentioned before the beginning of the show, make sure you do all that. It helps us out a bunch. Thank you all so much. And as always, 755 is real. We're out.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.